That's right, you geeks. Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. With any luck, I was counted incorrectly. We're actually broadcasting right now. Lynn Sanity. It's Lynn Sanity, folks. We, you know, we had a great idea that, that's, that's going to work at some point, which is we're going to do a shotgun start show where we literally just sit down, we click broadcast, we don't even warm up, and yeah. we just kind of just prattle on about whatever comes like, to our minds. I literally call you on Skype and, and also hit go on the broadcast at the same time, and we just go, hey, I had a pretty good jerky sandwich today. <laughs> yeah. Sp- nice um, spicy mustard. Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah. Do you like, are you a fan of mayonnaise? No. Um, are you asking, asking me that? Because that, that's terrible. I yeah, will talk about will how mayonnaise easy. is terrible. Right. And that you don't want tomatoes on your sandwich. Oh, I hate tomatoes. Oh, tomatoes. Oh, the consistency is awful. I love tomato-based I products. I know. But tomatoes. Big fan of ketchup. They're like slimy. Blech. Gravy. I like my meatballs and gravy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like how Nightshade in the chat just basically said exactly the same thing I did when we made that suggestion, which is, F it, we'll do it live. Correct. That is exactly what we'll do. Sometime we'll we'll do that. I think that sounds like a great idea, or it sounds like a terrible idea. Either way, we ought to have a lot of fun. Probably both. But anyway. Folks, uh, I am the Commodore, (laughs) as always, your host here on the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. And joining me not to talk about today's turkey sandwich is Rue. How's it going, Rue? I'm feeling lucky. Okay, well, lucky is better than terrible yes. and better than bad, so I'm going to take that. Um, but we are going to we're going to talk about something very serious tonight, folks. Tomatoes with mayonnaise on them? Tomatoes with mayonnaise on them. You know what always did get me, though, when people would dunk their French fries uh, into mayonnaise? You ever, you ever see this happen? I think Canadians do that. I, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. <laughs> They're godless heathens. It's a strange now that we're talking about tomatoes and uh, no, we're not going to talk about anything serious tonight. We're actually going to we're, we're going to we're going to promise you that we're going to talk about a topic that sounds utterly horribly boring, but it's not. But it's OK. But it's not because it's very exciting. It's cool. We're going to talk about it. And that is autonomous vehicles. Subtitle. The future is now. <laughs> I just jazzed it up on the fly. You, did. You, like that. you did. You made it All sound right. like a Detroit auto show. It's a Detroit Auto Show, uh, courtesy of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. Okay, folks, um, so before we get to the autonomous vehicles topic du jour, we always begin the program <laughs> with... Psychopathers bored already in the chat. That's right. Psychopathers bored with us pretty much continuously. All right. Um, it's, it's kind of our, our hallmark at this point. We have at, at first the, the first portion of the program, which happens to be the tids and bits, the news and notes... And we have now shortened that part of the program, in case it's the first time you've listened in a while, to one tid and or bit for each of us to shorten the program, hopefully in duration, and not to prattle on about nothing. So, without further ado, what is your tid and or bit, Rue, for this <clears throat> evening? My what tid do people need to know? My, my, I'm going to go with a tid. My, my thing is a tid this week. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming you did not see Deadpool. I have not seen Deadpool. Which released this weekend. I'm assuming you Rated didn't R. see it because... You told me before the show that you didn't see it. So did, unless, you, unless you watched it in lie. the five minutes between I asked that and starting. Or I could just lie it. now and tell you that I did see it. Oh, you did. You did so yeah. did I. Um, yeah. yeah, it was great. Hey, you know what, though? I, I love that. I love that Ben Affleck. He's really great. I hate you. Um, I was not the only one to see it. So Deadpool, based off of the comic book character, the same name, uh, yes. broke a lot of records for, for 20th Century Fox, uh, uh, including... 
uh, my favorite, which was uh, highest grossing, highest opening weekend for for 20th Century Fox, besting out episode three, Star Wars episode three, and highest grossing R-rated opening weekend ever, besting Matrix Revolutions. So it beat out two, yeah, beat out two crappy movies. I thought you were going to say The Hangover. Ugh. The Hangover was a, was a pretty big. Was that R rated? R movie. I thought it was R. I thought it was R rated. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, going you, to, you're probably right. Yeah, you looked it up. I didn't. I don't know. I'm, I would have just guessed. I'm um, just a guesser. I you're, guess at things. You're a big guesser. Uh, yeah. No Wikipedia. I do not want the 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 cures and symptoms of a hangover. Can no. I just have the movie, please. Um, right. Don't you need to lose the tooth? It was it was rated. Join a wolf pack. Yeah, rated I told R. you. Fine. Anyway, go ahead. Regardless. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Regardless, but that actually brings to my point is, uh, and this is something that's been bouncing around on the movie subreddit uh, ever since Deadpool came out of the game, which is pretty much where streaming. you live most of the day is on the movie subreddit. Pretty just much. So people know where to find you. Pretty much. If they need to find you during the day. It's just creeping around the movie subreddit, More posting comments be. about Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> first off, the movie's a lot of fun. If you're a fan of R-rated uh, humor and and uh, but jokes don't make you 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 know blush too much. Definitely go see it. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, yeah. having said that, uh, the topic coming up is a lot. A lot of movies lately have been doing that PG thirteen thing, even if it seems like they shouldn't. There was the RoboCop right. remake that came out recently. Well, not that recently, a few years ago. Oh, that yeah. was PG thirteen, yep. and it's like if you're going to do RoboCop, yeah. You, you can't do a PG-13 if you want to do uh, it justice. Yeah, and exactly. it was a very forgettable movie. I didn't see it, but every... every I saw it. It was terrible. Did you see it? Yeah, it was awful. Uh, yeah, see, uh, everything I, I read I, about I, was, I was very it. forgettable. Yeah, I, I caught it. It was on like Amazon Prime or something, and I would just watch it, and I was like, oh, yeah. God. That was terrible. Waste of time. I, yeah. I, so that... So that the, the, the whole trying to grab more of an audience, especially when movies start costing $200 million to make, you know, a lot of network network, a lot of movie executives think that's a death sentence because it greatly restricts your, your potential audience. Um, On top of that, there's the appealing to China syndrome, which you, with China as I believe maybe the largest market in the world for movies, or at least it's certainly the biggest emerging market. Uh, There's a big, uh, push to make sure that movies appeal to a Chinese audience, um, mm. not to offend anyone uh, who may be of Chinese descent. But like, right. I, for example, I saw an interesting comparison of the posters for Star Wars: The Force Awakens, the American version mm. versus the Chinese version. I haven't seen this. Um, look up the Chinese version of the of the poster. Finn, who is a black man, is greatly yes. reduced and put huh. that in the background. BB-8 is like front and center. In the Chinese version, because, you know, cute robot, sure. But, like, Finn's up oh, off there to yeah. the side, and a lot of people are like, well, Chinese people kind of can be a little bit racist. Not big fans <laughs> of, you know, they're not quite as homogeneous as American culture. So hey, right. we Holy don't want to put the that black man front and center, basically. So yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, theories abound. But the point is, is that with all this happening and Deadpool basically showing, no, you can have this movie that costs something like $50 million, $50 million to make come out to a $130 million opening weekend. Um, maybe it's time for an R-rated renaissance. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I as, as somebody that, that sees fewer movies in the theater than I ever have in my life before, I'm probably not a good person to ask. Okay, well, then never mind. I rescind the question. 
Yeah, exactly. So so let's just move on. Uh, my opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, are we in a are we in a world where now the you know movies have life beyond the theatrical release? I think more so than they ever did before. Um, yeah, yeah. And and with streaming and all that other kind of stuff, it doesn't necessarily diminish piracy, but it certainly discourages it to a greater degree. You know, pe- these movie companies get you know the production companies everything kind of gets back channel paid for what they do now it's not necessarily just the theatrical release that makes money it's it's not even just dvd sales it's it's kind of all the licensing and everything that goes into a movie um to me you, you can you can make a great r-rated movie and it can get it can grow legs and and really have a lot of play far beyond um far beyond just the theatrical release and i think if there was any time in history where a movie <laughs> could do that and pull it off and be financially successful, it would be now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can agree with that. I think I think there is definitely going to be... There will be some sort of a Deadpool effect, uh, mm. on, on at least for the next few years, in the movie uh, industry. Uh, I think you're going to see at least a few more uh, gambles on R-rated movies than you would otherwise... Uh, James Gunn of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy fame, uh, the director, I should say, of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, came out and he said he he worries that movie studios will take the wrong lesson from this Deadpool uh, effect and basically say like, ah, we just need more more sex, more violence, craziness yeah. in these movies, and and it'll yeah. sell. It's like no, or even more superhero movies, which is not the right. Well, yeah, either. it's not even necessarily that. But, but the thing is, the best thing about Deadpool is like, yes, it's, it was R rated, but it was like a smart R. It was very clever. The jokes were very clever for the you know actually yeah I was gonna say for the most part, but yeah, oh, virtually all the jokes were very clever, uh, and it didn't it didn't think the audience was stupid. I see that is. That's the number one criteria for me now. Really? Right? Yeah. Yeah, because I think I think you know, and the same is true, right, of TV, right? Because let's face it, we have a renaissance of R-rated television, right? I mean, that's that's something that's going on right now. Uh, I know there's no R-rated TV. I'm just saying the analog to R-rated television, right? Um, we have a renaissance in that, but I think part of part of the revolution in TV now is that it doesn't assume, and why it's been so successful, because it doesn't assume the audience is stupid. Yeah, it assumes the audience can follow a story and can, you know, uh, to a certain extent, put pieces together, even if they don't hand them to you on a silver platter. Now, this is not for people that watch Criminal Minds, right? It's not for people that that watch reality TV shows exclusively, because like me, that yeah, like you. What are you doing watching Criminal Minds? It's terrible. It's it's written for children, and this is what it, this is why ad- adults are forming their position on law enforcement. Because of watching Criminal Minds, right? Oh, that's that's scare you. Did it? Wait, you did watch Making a Murderer, right? We discussed that last time. Oh yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I, did. I was listening to a uh, <clears throat> pretty good uh, total tangent here. I was listening to a, yeah. a pretty good podcast on Making a Murderer by this couple of attor- this this attorney couple, as in they're married, uh, who live in like Ottawa, Canada. Uh, what's it called? The docket or something like that. But they're actually pretty good. I mean, it's interesting because they're from Canada, so they have a different perspective. But they're still lawyers, so they sure. kind of have interesting perspectives on each episode of the trial of the of the documentary. Anyway, where was I going with this? I don't know. Uh, I what, literally. Have what no were you just talking about? <laughs> um, I was <laughs> just talking just... about. 
Yeah. I was talking about people forming their perceptions of law enforcement based on. TV. Yes. And they, I, there was one point where they were talking about how, like, it, it's difficult to expect a jury sometimes to know how police work should work. Uh, you know, because like there were definitely certain things that were done in the making in by the police in the making a murder, even, whether or not you think the the main person was guilty. Uh, the police right. definitely messed up a lot of parts right. of their investigation, and they the problem is that a lot of people get their thoughts of how p- the police work from things like Criminal Minds or NCIS. Exactly. You know, they they might put way too much weight on forensic evidence that may or may not be able to tell you what you think it does. Um, well, you know what? I told this you that was interesting. No, no, no. This is good because you're bridging the gap between your tid and my bit, which is this. That's what she said. So um, people watch Criminal Minds and they think about how law enforcement works, right? Mm-hmm. And they make all kinds of assumptions about how technology, and this is the thing that kills me about things like Criminal Minds, it makes people feel like a, a, a you know, um, Basically, a computer science student that is sitting in a basement somewhere with a bunch of screens, okay, can basically get into anything they want, right? If you watch Criminal Minds or CSI or any of this stuff, you're going to start to think that people can tap into surveillance cameras all over the world, that they can uh, enhance the the surveillance cameras (laughs) with, with no technology whatsoever and basically just out of nowhere create zoom that that you know doesn't scale anything or whatever and they can find out who somebody is um you know that uh, that there are are massive databases that contain data about all of us that they can just go and tap into and look up and you know well, find them and find out where you are right at right at that moment that part's zoom true them, it's called right? it's called google right it's called google but or apple Facebook. um or apple which is the interesting part because what i was going to talk like today about was or your your phone, for example, people tapping into your phone. Mm-hmm. So uh, Apple, Tim Cook wrote a letter today as a, as a very public response to a request from the federal government. The federal government is investigating uh, the, the shooting in San Bernardino, as they should. Uh, Apple has coordinated, uh, has not coordinated, but has, has cooperated with the investigation thus far to give them all the data that they have. Um, about the attacks itself and about the person who, who uh, went through these attacks and, and, and took them on. Um, but the request that they received was that the federal government wanted Apple to build a version of iOS that was malicious in nature, that only the federal government would have, so that they could take any phone that was in their physical possession load iOS, that, that malicious version of iOS on it, and rather than deleting all the files, it would present those files and unlock the phone so that anybody that had it there from the federal government could read everything in it and could unlock it. Okay. Right. Yep. This is a way for them to subvert all of the efforts of encryption that Apple works on, so on and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. Apple's position in this, which I applaud, stop the presses, I am applauding Apple for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I applaud and I I recommend all of you read the letter from Tim Cook on this, um, which is very publicly in the news. It's about how they are not going to cooperate with that. They're not going to build that software. That software doesn't exist. They're not going to build it and they're not going to build it because that effectively is a a physical backdoor toward any iPhone. And that's something that they can't cooperate with. So I have to give them a lot of credit because that is a really tough stance to take when the government is ostensibly sitting there, you know, saying, listen, do you support terrorists? 
Because if you do, you know, you you need to keep us out. But if you don't support terrorists and you want us to go catch these people, you need to give us information and the ability to unlock these phones. Yeah, that's a really and, tough position. And, for and Apple stood up to them, which I agree with you. It's shocking that I am saying yay Apple, but yay Apple for that. And yay Apple. And uh, and Mr. K in the chat has said that he was disappointed that uh, uh, with his you know nothing came from Google about that. Uh, yep. But actually, yeah, just a few hours ago, uh, Google CEO, and I'm going to say it horribly, but Sundar Pakai, I believe, yeah. Pachai, whatever, uh, he totally chimed in and said, yeah, I, I completely agree with Tim Cook on this issue. And so you have the two major phone maker, no, sorry, phone software uh, op operation, oper what the hell are they called? <laughs> Operating system yes. <laughs> creators in yep. the world, basically both right. saying like, no, we're, we're not going to do this. Um, we're going to do this. So, and, which and is great. I, I also like that Apple said, hey, listen, we don't have the keys, but even if we did have the keys, we ain't giving them to you, right? Yep. And and I, I, I think that takes a lot of brass. So I, I applaud Apple this week for standing up and saying, you know, fighting for, for the <laughs> rights of, of, because here's the thought process, right? If it, I know the federal government said basically, hey, give us this this software. We'll only be able to use it for phones we physically take, and it will be software that will only physically be able to be used once, and then it will be completely worthless or whatever. All these different controls that the government's trying to put on it. But if Edward Snowden taught us anything, and that whole debacle, which maybe sometime you and I can talk about, um, it's that it's not this. You know, I'm not necessarily. I'm worried about what the government is trying to do to catch terrorists. I'm worried about what they then do with that technology that has nothing to do with terrorism or catching terrorists, but, you know, uh, just about anything, right? I mean, who's to say that this kind of software couldn't be used or got into the wrong hands or could be used to do, you know, unlock any old iPhone out there or that they couldn't do this kind of thing remotely while you were using the phone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very thin line. It's a it's a snowball effect, I think, you know, where you start very small and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm, I'm glad to say that Apple kind of shut the door on it before the snowball got out of control. Yeah. I mean, Techie in the chat says that you're you're overstating it a bit and that the FBI would be satisfied if just one device were unlocked by Apple. There you go. But uh, well, so so that's that was their argument. And if you yeah. read Tim Cook's letter, it says which is long, according to you. Yep. It says, I understand. They're, they put all kinds of control on this. We only want to do this once. We only want to do this for one phone. We just want to make sure we get as much information about this person as we possibly can. Tim Cook's argument was that software doesn't exist. So now you're asking us to go break our own code to, to, get, to unlock one phone ostensibly, number one. Right. And number two, even if we were going to, 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 go, to go take care of that and to go do that, you know, what's to say you guys couldn't use that for any other purposes, right? Mm -hmm. And and I happen to agree with that because we all know that that once you do this <clears throat> once, you've unlocked Pandora's box, and that's the point. Uh, it's also an interesting little coda to our episode last week on on Google, the yeah. Googleification of our lives. So yeah, there you go. All right, so uh, so you know that those are our artisan bits. I, I'm in, I'm actually really interested in seeing Deadpool. Uh, when I saw the the promo before Star Wars, I was like, that looks like a really cool movie. I'd probably see that. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to get out to see an R-rated movie, but it's definitely one I'm looking forward to. So now that I have your endorsement, I'm 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 that much further down the line. Mm -hmm. And kudos to Apple and Google for not saying, hey, we're going to unlock these guys' phones at will. Uh, that's a very good thing. 
Okay, we ready to talk autonomous vehicles? Sure. Is everybody bored yet? Yep. All right. I fell asleep five minutes ago. Folks, uh, the, the third portion of our program after the topic du jour will be the, the question and answer portion of the program. If you would like, if you've been thinking since the beginning of this program, you, you said to yourself, hey, I'd really like to ask these jokers some questions. Well, you have your chance. If you want to ask us a question that we can answer live on the air, all you have to do is, if you're following along with chat, you find me, Commodore128, the upper right-hand corner, send me a private message. You can send questions there. Or you can send questions to me at It's the Commodore on Twitter. Um, and I will take all of the best questions asked during the program, and I will read them live, and we'll answer them on the air. How cool is that? Bingo. Okay. Let's talk about the most boring, ostensibly topic we've ever tried to come up with, but it's not boring, we promise. <laughs> Autonomous vehicles, go. All right, great, we're done. All right, so autonomous vehicles, meaning self-driving cars. Um, so, for lack of a better term. So basically, this is a thing that's that's become more of a thing over the past decade. Most famously, Google, <laughs> can't not talk about Google, um, has been working on a self-driving car. This is something that uses sensors to detect conditions on the road uh, <clears throat> and basically drive itself. So yes. the idea being is that you can, I mean, at its core, the idea is hopefully one day you could get up, get put yourself in the car, say, car, take me to work. The car goes and takes you to work and you don't have to do anything about it. You can shave on the way to work if you want to. Right. So. Sleep. Obviously, this, there's a lot of technical hurdles to be to be hurdled uh, when it comes to this. But everyone and their mother, most of them having having to be do with cars, but a lot not, are working on this problem. You have tech companies like Google, like Apple, that are working hard on the software problems. Uh, mm -hmm. You have uh, automotive companies working on this as well. You have GM and Ford. Uh, practically, I would be shocked if not if every major car manufacturer didn't have some form of development on this. But GM yes. and Ford in particular, um, uh, I think GM is working with Lyft uh, to create autonomous vehicles. Lyft is the ride-sharing service. Uh, for obvious reasons, if you could uh, have autonomous taxis going all over the place, you know that would be uh, a very cost-effective way of oh, yeah. uh, making money and oh, yeah. super useful for people that you wouldn't even necessarily need a car. Um, Ford uh, obviously is working on that as well. And Uber, even uh, the ride sharing service, I should say right now uh, has, is, is putting in millions and millions of dollars into developing their own self-driving car tech. So very true. And we had and Tesla, only a Tesla, few months ago as well. Tesla, <clears throat> Tesla is uh, probably one of the, the, the leading companies as we know their stance on technology, obviously is pretty easy to see. Mm -hmm. Um, Audi set a record a few months ago when they had a fully autonomous vehicle drive itself all the way from San Francisco to New York. Mm -hmm. um, there, so like you said, every every company has some kind of a division working on this now, which was, you know, I remember watching, uh, if you ever want a, uh, an entertaining watch, you can go look at uh, some of the early DARPA challenges around autonomous vehicles. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember watching that circa 2008, 2009 and being like, ha, that's never going to happen. Um, but to see how things have shifted in such a short amount of time, really, when you think about it. And, and um, yeah, and to, it's amazing. And to me, this is this is like the next 
huge thing in vehicle technology. It's not yeah. electric cars. It's not hydrogen powered cars. It's not, I don't know, whatever ridiculous stuff you want to come up, flying cars or anything like that. Yeah. It is self-driving cars. That is going to be the number one most useful uh, thing out there. And I can't wait for it to be a reality. And I think it will be before too, too long. There's challenges, which we'll get to in a second. But why is this so important? Well, um, the main thing, more than anything else, more than the convenience of not having to drive yourself to work. <laughs> which is good. Which is great. But the ability to have a a... a a computer, an intelligent system, networked system, be able to not only control your vehicle on the road, but all the vehicles around you would greatly, greatly enhance the flow of traffic. Sure. Um, traffic jams would more or less be a thing in the past. You know, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some limited. You can't have a million cars on a road built for 10. But that's right. I mean, just I'm thinking of uh, we were discussing before the show, like, can you ima imagine, like, in the D.C. area, which is known for its ridiculously horrible traffic? <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> uh, where they have, right now, uh, like, carpool lanes and toll lanes that, if you want to avoid the traffic and go. I could see, I could see that in the next 10, 15 years, those being converted to self-driving car lanes. Where you can get in if you're a self-driving car and, you know, you're separate from all the peons over here and these cars will just go and they will very smoothly go and they just won't stop. They'll go at the speed limit. They won't have random braking or, or lane merges or, or, you know, stop and rubberneck at uh, traffic accidents, you know. Right. That is the next step and hopefully soon at some point in the future that would be hundred almost 100%. Um, that's the most exciting thing to me, being able to have smart networked traffic. Yeah, I, I think you raise an interesting point, right? I mean, the networking, something I know a little bit about, um, you know, the, the concept of turning cars into <laughs> bits of data that are really just sensors, right? So sensors that transmit data, right? Mm -hmm. It basically turns the car into a sensor that just like any sensor that would live in a network, right? And your ability at that point to, um, you know, shape the traffic of those data points is <clears throat> becomes the same way that we shape traffic all over the internet today and beyond, right? Um, which is immense. And we can all agree has gotten amazing uh, considering where we were even with data transmission even just five or six years ago. Oh, yeah. So it's the same kind of thing, right? I, I, I agree with, you, with your assessment. The only thing I would say is this. You know, I have, I I have been on this show before, kind of bashing some of the the people that have just given up and been like, oh yeah, look, autonomous cars are the future, and here and, and they're going to happen right now. I want to I want to throw a little a little wrench into it, which is this: I think there is an iteration before what you're talking about okay. that's just as exciting, and that is the kind of technological revolution of automobiles, right? Mm -hmm. Because what what we see now is a step that's being taken where the car is becoming the center of people's lives outside of their phones. So you have your phone all the time, except when you're in your car, right, where the car is just an extension of your phone, right? So the next big, wear, you know, here's the next, here's my challenge, right? The next big wearable is not your watch, it's your car. Yeah. Right? 
that 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 stuff is is here it's now it's mm-hmm. there's there's no need to to fast forward in in uh, into the future to understand how it's going to work out it's today it's and i don't just mean that we're connecting wi-fi in vehicles that's all well and good but that's not what i mean yeah i'm talking more about the fact that people want you to be able to consume information in your vehicle of all kinds be it movies and video which we've which we've always kind of flirted with or be it information from the World Wide Web, be it you know video chat or, or communication, collaboration communication, um, productivity, uh, maps, um, you know, uh, info about purchasing, advertising, all these things. Those things are all getting centered inside the car now. The vehicle, the the the, the, the car, whether it's autonomous or not, is this is the the hub of all that information. Yeah, and that step is right now. And I'll tell you, that's an exciting thing because there's so much more that I think we can do in our cars, right, that we that, you know, have made, have given us this bad taste in our mouth about why we don't like commuting to work every day or why we don't drive and take trips with the family anymore or whatever, right? X, Y, Z. Look at the different cultural phenomenons. But I think uh, phenomena. But I think this is the this is kind of the the cure, if that makes sense. Autonomous vehicles is the like nth permutation of this same concept. But what they're trying to do right now is make being in the car a much more enjoyable experience and not just because they have comfy leather seats. Oh, yeah. It's well, it's kind of like the gadget gadgetification of mm-hmm. vehicles, which exactly. has kind of always happened to one in one form or another. But really that it, it's in useful forms. The expansion of what we've seen most dramatically in smartphones in the past decade kind of being used now in cars uh and yeah. and the the first baby steps more than baby steps really in terms of self-driving cars is already present in vehicles yes. we we're both talking about the possibility of buying new cars at some point in the next year or two yep. and these are not standard things right now but they're getting there things like well automatic braking has actually yeah. been around for several years now where yes. like if you're about to hit the car in front of you it automatically breaks for you uh, right. but now you have things like adaptive cruise control and lane keep lane assist lane keeping mm-hmm. technology parking assist which parking has been around assist, for a long time uh, several years now and that, those are the first steps uh toward you know that it, the real world applications that you can buy in ca- lots of different cars today um yeah. you know and, and i love it because make those you, logical you see- leaps you talked about the the standardization. That's going to be a really interesting topic. So, yes, you and I are both looking at vehicles. I also just bought, purchased a vehicle uh, for my wife, and we, you know, did a lot of research on it, all these kinds of things, and seeing the different options that are out there. So, you have some manufacturers that use lasers and lidar technology to identify spaces around them. You've got some uh, that are actually using sound sonar. Um, uh, capabilities all 360 degrees around the car. Um, you have some manufacturers that actually use cameras to identify lanes on the road and cars in front, and and so far, so on and so forth. All different ways of accomplishing the same exact issue, uh, same exact problem. And I find that fascinating because nothing has been standardized yet. Right. Uh, even even the roads we drive on to a certain extent haven't been standardized, which is why this technology is so damn hard to adapt and come up with to begin with. So I think this is going to drive standardization. I think this is going to to really push 
I mentioned three different technologies there. It's really going to push people to define standards and, and innovate at ridiculously quick speeds. And why the automotive industry is looking forward to this is because they want to see the smartphone gadgetification of cars in terms of how people buy them. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. We're seeing phones slow down, but for the longest time, people were buying a smartphone a year, right? Sometimes more than that. I'm not saying you're going to want to buy a $50,000 car every year. What I'm saying is that, you know, even though it's, it's, a, it's a huge, obviously it's a huge expense, that could be something you would, you would want to take on more and more if there were compelling reasons to do so. And what's the compelling reason besides having a new vehicle over the last 10 years, right? Not much has changed in the car. Efficiency, fuel types, for sure. But the next 10 years is going to make the last 10 years look ridiculous. I, I completely agree. Um, so things, I'll, kind of tying this all together, I was reading a Fortune article earlier today about, um, you know, you, you could you could really take the major obstacles to autonomous vehicles uh, being, uh, you know, technology, cost, uh, public acceptance, and government acceptance. Um, yep. So... So the the whole thing with uh, cost and and technology are being like we already touched on being tackled by so many different companies. I can't imagine it won't uh, be a less of an issue as time goes on. Exactly. Uh, person people acceptance by the general public. Uh, I think I mean that could take a little bit of time, but like I said, yeah. the 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 steps we're already seeing being put into cars now will go a long way toward that. If Google, if GM, if it was two thousand and five, and then GM in two thousand six said, "Hey guys, we got an automatic driving car for sale next year. Go get it." I can see right. the public in general being like, "Uh, I'm gonna gonna kind of pass on that." Yeah, uh, not that I don't yeah. trust you, GM. I just don't trust you. Yeah. Um, right, but. In today's environment, in 2016, we're like, oh, yeah, you got this automatic parking. You got this lane keep assist uh, technology. I can kind of see where this is going, you know, and I'm sure yeah. there will be other little steps on the way until we get to fully autonomous vehicles. I mean, Google's working on fully autonomous vehicles that don't even have pedals or or wheels. But I right. guarantee you for quite a while, the first truly autonomous cars will have that. You know, so even if you are sitting in the driver's seat doing looking like a moron uh not touching anything uh as the car drives you you have that sense that you can still take control if you really need to you know right. if there's something if you don't, you don't quite trust what's going on right now maybe it's raining a little too hard or there's some ice on the road you're like i got this i'll, I'll, I'll take yeah. care of this myself even though probably in those instances the self-driving car would be better um yeah. anyway it, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept it. too. I mean, we had we had some very bad weather here recently, where uh, we went from no very way. cold weather to very warm weather, and there was a lot of fog around. And that was mm. uh, the very first time that the system in my wife's car shut off because it said, "I can't identify the lanes in the road. You're going to have to drive, no yeah. matter what happens." Yep. Right. And so that was the first time that it happened. But you know, to, to me, that's a really interesting piece of this, right? Because when you think about it, folks. Computers do certain things really, really well, mm -hmm. right? They do mundane tasks that are very repetitive all the time, very, very well. So things that you and I take for granted, and you know, a, a computer doesn't mind looking at this exact same image a thousand times a second and seeing if it moved even a little bit, right? right. A computer can do that. Humans are really bad at that. We're, we're really not very good at that. But, but computers are really bad at making sense of things 
ornately, uh, ornately. What do I really mean by that? I mean, um, I mean, in terms of all the complexity, the ornate complexity around it, right? Right. So taking all of the, the, the different complexity around it and making sense of it without having to do a tremendous amount of work, right? Computers are very bad at that. Humans are very good at that, right? So you We're have to bridge the gap. You have to bridge between the, the gap between those two forces for anything, right? A dishwasher is a robot that's really good at washing dishes, but it's really terrible at everything else. <laughs> It's really terrible at washing windows or cats. Exactly. So, so you know, what we're really talking about is the reinvention of how of what roads function as, and how yes. they function. Yes. And 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 I guess that's what I'm saying. If we if we as a society reinvent the way that we use roads, the autonomous vehicle piece is actually going to be pretty easy. The reason right. it's so hard is because we're trying to get computers, which are terrible at making sense of things, and trying to replace the human element there. And that is a really, really tough thing to do because the human element is always something that in, I mean, Apollo 11 had a, had a mechanical override and it's the only reason that, 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 uh, the Eagle landed on the moon. Right. Right. It's the only reason because they had the, the, the computer said, we're, we don't have enough fuel. We're all going to die. And Neil Armstrong took control and landed it on the moon himself manually. It's the only reason that happened. Yeah. Right? And I think I think that is a good idea for for if you have your own self-driving car to have that manual override is probably going to be a good idea for a very long yeah. time. And um, it's going to have to be for, for the legislation purposes, which I know where you're going. And that's and that was the last bit. So uh, to just kind of wrap everything up is uh, there was news that came out just a few days ago about how the federal government, the U.S. federal government, I should say, says that when it comes to regulating self-driving cars, computers and software systems can be considered the quote unquote driver of the vehicle now that why is that important that's important for all the regulation that's going to go into it and all the 50 states and all the laws they're going to have to pass allowing or not allowing self-driving cars and that's also going to be important for uh maybe not most importantly but very importantly insurance reasons um yeah. which is a big question mark right now if you're in a self-driving car and there's an accident who is liable uh that that's right. one of the big things that needs to be ironed out. It's not that it won't ever get ironed out, but like who is going to, you know, take, will, will your premiums go up or down if you were in a self-driving car? You right. know, there's arguments to be well, made either way. You're right. And, and now you're, you're, you're getting into what I find to be the most exciting part of all of this. Because for me, as, I, as I've said before, you go back and watch some of the other parts of the show, right? There are other tapes of the show here. I have not at all. I've, I, I think people are, are going crazy on autonomous vehicles. But the, the thing that interests me is where all of this goes after an autonomous vehicle comes around or after we have autonomous freight or after we have autonomous delivery or after we have autonomous mm -hmm. taxis. All right. All these kinds of things. It's how do industries adapt and change? So – Right now, the car insurance industry is a multi-billion dollar industry in this country. I know it is in other developed countries all over the world. Mm -hmm. you, would, you would potentially remove the need for that entire industry with this innovation. It would take a long time. It would take a long time. But potentially- Potentially in our lifetimes. In our lifetimes, we will see the complete decimation of the entire automotive- Driver. Uh, uh, well, the, the, the driver's insurance- Oh, I see. Yeah. Industry, yeah, right. Yeah. So there won't be any need for insurance anymore for for drivers' insurance. There'd be a need for other kinds of insurance. I get it, but I'm just talking about drivers' insurance. Mm -hmm. 
What about those same companies would take that over that mantle, though? I get that. What I'm saying is that that you would see entire industries potentially go out because of this. Sure, it would be a paradigm Here's another shift one. In the Here's zeitgeist, how about domestic airlines? So if you if you could jump in your car and hit a button, go to sleep, and wake up at your destination without having to travel to an airport, without having to check any bags or go through TSA, yeah, without having to park your car in a in a, in a foreign place, then you're leaving it there and paying you know twenty dollars a night to leave it there. Wouldn't you rather do that? So now think yeah. about how far you could travel in a twelve hour period while you were sleeping in a car. Right, you slept for eight hours or whatever, and. And, you know, uh, you, you took a break to pee or whatever. Well, right? you're going at 80 miles an hour, that's over 600 miles. I mean, it's a long way. Right? You can go a long way in America and, and even further in Europe <laughs> or China. So. so I guess my point is I could see domestic airlines completely being destroyed by this concept. Uh, I wouldn't say completely being destroyed, but it would Certainly be effect. an interesting side effect. How about hotels? And motels, the entire concept of a motel, the reason it's called a motel instead of a hotel is because you drive up to it. Yeah. What if you didn't need to drive to a hotel because there's no reason to to sleep anywhere other than your car? Yeah, but I mean, get somewhere on the road. How comfortable can your car really be? If you like, if you want, if you want a comfortable night's sleep, you're gonna. So I'm not again. I'm not saying it's replacing the hotels. Yeah, motels. Motels have kind of been on their way out since the 50s, anyway, though. It's true, but but again, the, that whole concept is about traveling long distances by car and having to stop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, gas stations, all these are the kinds of things, right, that, that are going to have to change how they do business in order to adapt is what's interesting to me. You can see entire industries growing up and dying at the same time around autonomous vehicles. And that, to me, is the most interesting part of the whole, the whole shebang. Yep. Well, uh, so uh, I guess since we've been talking about uh, autonomous vehicles and the chat has gone off on its own, talking about uh, Donald Trump, Jews in Miami, and uh, erotic uh, cosplay, um, I wonder if it's time maybe to... uh, It's important for us to move on. Move on, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, uh, is that uh, that pretty much cover everything we want to talk to? Do we have a thesis statement I don't think vehicles. we really did. I mean, it's, you know, it's closer I think than you think. I'm excited for I'm it. I'm excited for it, and it's closer than you think. That's probably my my, yeah. my statement. Um, Here's my thesis statement. And, and most thesis. surprisingly to me is that the government actually seems to be playing ball on this, which I thought uh, was going to be the big. I mean, it still is the most major roadblock. <laughs> get it? But still. Yeah, I, uh, get it. I see what you did there. It, it's starting to move. I would say that my thesis here is that the probably the most exciting thing about about uh, autonomous vehicles outside of just the industrial effects later on is that all that technology is available today and if you just go drive a 2016 almost anything it's going to have elements of this in it and i'm not even talking necessarily about luxury cars right you can you can look at regular run of the mill cars and find this technology is already there that is one of the coolest scenarios here. That's what's really great. The future is today. It's now. All the stuff that's that's gone on in research development is awesome. And by the way, any of you that want a really good laugh, go read. I think it's in Wired Magazine. Um, George Hotz, the young gentleman who originally hacked the iPhone and was the first person to crack the uh, PS3. If you've ever been wondering what he's up to now that he's in his 20s, he decided he was going to build his own autonomous vehicle software in his garage. 
Uh, very, very exciting and entertaining article. You should read it about George Hotz's car that he's designed in his hmm. uh, in his garage and the hilarity of the traumatic experiences that he brings this reporter on <laughs> as he tries to show him that it really does work. I'm going to Google this darn thing. Okay. Um, I would say if you want to laugh, you should watch Blazing Saddles. Yes, Blazing Saddles is still still holds out despite what anybody says. We talked about this on a Mel Brooks episode once. What? No. Yeah. We yeah, did. We, we did. Wow, he's twenty. He's twenty six. He's an old man now. Yeah, I told you. He yeah. looks nuts. Anyway, he is nuts. He's nuts. You have to be nuts <laughs> to just decide. What am I going to do with all this money I made? Nah, I think I'll just make an autonomous vehicle in my car, in my uh, garage. Okay, folks, it is now time for the third portion of the program, which uh, people still to this day tell me is their favorite part of the program, which is you can ask us questions and we will answer them live on the air. Several different great questions have come in already. Uh, you can add to the growing list of questions. All you have to do is send me a private message if you're following along a chat, Commodore 128, or tweet at It's the Commodore. Send me your question. And we're going to pick out the best ones right now, and we're going to answer them live. All right. Are you ready for some question action? I'm ready for some hot question action. Okay. I like this. This is good. <laughs> um, hey, Mr. K. Hey. Good friend of the program. Hey, Mr. K. Asks, good to be back. See? I knew he was going to say that. Isn't that great? <laughs> um, Long time listener, first time caller. Yep. As a working museum professional... I'm getting more and more frustrated with augmented reality. Young people are playing with their phones and not being immersed in the museum's content. Their exit surveys show that. Thoughts on augmented reality and education? Interesting. I always Man. thought augmented reality and education is actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah. If done right. And kind of go and kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so being sorry, go ahead. Well, I have an interesting story because I spent a day over the weekend at the Museum of Science. Mm, in Boston? In Boston, Massachusetts. I've heard of it. And, it's probably a little it, different from when I was a kid. Honestly, you would be surprised. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's been there since the 50s, right? I mean, like it's, you know, well, yeah. really. Um, no, no, no. They, they, they do a fantastic job. I was, I was thoroughly impressed. They actually rebuilt the entire T-Rex from its original construction in the 70s because of the new understanding of the T-Rex. <gasps> I just went to the North Carolina Museum of Natural History uh, or Natural Science, whatever the heck they call it. It's like the largest museum of its kind in the southeast. And the, I saw a very similar thing on that. It was just like this whole exhibit on, hey, everything you know about the T-Rex is a lie. So true. <laughs> you know, like how when we were kids, it was like T-Rex stood up like a human and yeah. its little arms like this. Right. And now look they're these, like, look at these stupid little arms. And now yeah. they're like, actually, no, those people were dumb. It just it, it walks <laughs> like, you know, over its hips were over its freaking legs. Yeah. Like, like you would expect anything else in the life to walk. So it's like but yeah. what I love about the Museum of Science is that they they had a, a life size T-Rex. They literally tore the whole thing down and built a complete new one. <laughs> Because their understanding of the T-Rex changed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought that was, was cool. really cool. I'm also excited um, at the return of the Brontosaurus. The Brontosaurus is a, is a thing again. Oh, yeah. No, right. No. Yes, 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 yes. I, 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 for a second, I thought you were talking about a movie or something. Like the return <laughs> of the Brontosaurus. <laughs> By like, I, Quentin like Tarantino. Return of the Brontosaurus? No, it's Quentin Tarantino film. Um, yeah, right. The, the hateful Brontosaurus. Um, 
So I, when I was at the museum, I saw a lot of cool things, like how people interact with stuff, you know, how museums have changed, the cool things that they do in museums. Okay. So I have to say, I thought it was pretty good. There were definitely some of the live shows or some of the, like, I went to the planetarium there, went to see a live show, went to see, you know, film, those kinds of things. People, people there definitely are abusing the phone stuff. Like they're all over the phones and they have, they have people come out and say, listen, if you're going to be a part of this, you really need to put your phones away and don't use them because they're going to be, you're going to be distracting for other people. Um, at the planetarium, they're like, listen, unless you want a, a 20 foot shadow of your head to appear above you, don't turn your phone on during the show. Right. Um, but it's, it's, so that's cool that they're trying to dissuade people from being in their phones. But I was actually pleasantly surprised because I thought kids and adults alike um, that, were, that were at the museum the entire time I was there were actually very, very engaged. Um, they even had one exhibit there that was fully interactive with your phone. Um, and I think most people that were going through the exhibit were actually not at all using their phones. They were just going through and, and, you know, kind of seeing what was going on and they weren't sitting there trying to scan things and push buttons and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, is augmented reality going to change the way that we learn? And inevitably, I think that's probably going to be the case. Um, it just needs to be learned how to use effectively, which it sounds like Mr. K is saying is not necessarily the case. And I would argue that that the the greatest museum augmented reality piece we're going to see is going to be, you know, the augmented reality piece that you have in your living room, right? Where you you just say, hey, let me learn about this. And then, you know, Bob pops right up in the middle of your room. Bob pops up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, look, it's Bob. Oh, my God. It's Bob Saget. Who's Bob Saget? It's Microsoft, Microsoft Bob. We're only we're only a we're only a week away from the from the uh, launch of uh, Fuller, Fuller House. House. Oh God! So who is Bob Saget? Boom! There's Bob Saget in your living. <laughs> Actually, like yeah, holograms would be fun. I want a holodeck. I was watching a little bit of Hollow Pursuits the other day with with Reginald Barkley. Yes, our favorite neurotic Star Trek Next Generation engineer. Um, I, I have to recount this from the chat, Mr. K saying, uh, you know. Uh, augmented reality is supposed to provide context and exhibits, but I've discovered that young people are more focused on the app and QR codes than the artifacts themselves. They're learning less. To which Broccolope responds, no, they're still learning. They're learning what ancient artifacts like QR codes are. Yeah, that's a great answer. Okay. All right. Next. Um, yeah. So, the you know, Marsha McLuhan said, was famous for saying the medium is the message. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Mr. K is, is firmly in that camp. Um, yeah. if you're, if you're using your phone to digest, uh, some of these, these pieces, it becomes mediated and therefore, therefore, um, mediated by, and therefore controlled in a certain way by the technology that you're consuming it through. I agree, Mr. K I'm all on board, but I think, uh, it, to some extent we got to get out of the way of the of progress here and people are just willing to consume things in, in different ways. Now we have to try to find ways to, to continue to be interesting. And I was very pleasantly surprised being at a, at a museum to see how well engaged children were. Hmm. Okay. See, you bet you didn't think we were going to get a museum question today, did you? Yeah, I wouldn't have bet against it. That's probably true. <laughs> um, how about, excuse me, um, we have Luscious T asking, worst opening reception, Street Fighter the movie or Street Fighter Five? Jean-Claude isn't there to save them this time. Um, I, when you say opening reception for the movie, 
the opening reception for the movie was was bad, I guess, but I don't remember that because I just remember being so frigging excited that there was a Street Fighter movie. Oh yeah, that was back at the time when it's like, yay, starts yeah. it's video games on movies. Yeah, there's no like This couldn't be bad. Yeah, there's no when you're a kid, there's no like cynicism about, <laughs> oh my god, they're just this is a cash grab on a video game, like so I don't really remember what the rece- what the opening reception was for Street Fighter the movie. So maybe I, I maybe I I'm not qualified to answer the question. Not good, I think. Um, but I will say, in retrospect, I believe that was Raul Julia's last movie, or at yeah. least at least the second to last. He could um, barely stand when they when they right. hired him to play the part. They thought he was going to be the 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 whole movie was going to be all action based. And when he got there, he could barely stand. And they're like, well, we can't have him fighting. So, like, what are we going to do? And they had to che- rewrite the entire movie. Anyway. I, I, I should watch more Raul Julia movies because I loved him in everything I've seen him in. He's yeah. the He's fantastic. best. Yeah. He's just the perfect Gomez Adams. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Among other things, but yes. Yeah, but uh, the thing is that his performance as M. Bison in that movie is, is like, one of the great, like, does not give a crap scene-chewing uh, performances of all time, like up there with. I think we we're talking something similar about this a few episodes ago, like Jeremy Irons in the Dungeons and Dragons Dungeons movie, and which yeah. is just so ridiculous. He's like, he's just he's, he knows what he's doing. Oh, he's just having fun with getting it, getting paid, having fun, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so good. And there's that one line which I'm gonna look up because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, there's one line in the that he says in the movie that's actually surprisingly chilling. Um, <laughs> where he's like, uh, hold on, hold on, dup, 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 dup. for you. Oh yeah. Uh, where Chun Li's okay. Chun Li, my father saved his village at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away. A hero at a thousand paces. And then Bison's like, I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it for you. The day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. It's like. <laughs> That's cold. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is some cold. <laughs> that is cold. Uh, anyway. Tuesday. It was Taco Tuesday. That would have been the only <laughs> It was Taco Tuesday. Uh, by the way, uh, unrelated to anything, I watched um, Jurassic World a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. I liked it quite a bit. You did? Yeah, you're full of crap. Yeah, you, you have no soul. <laughs> that, that movie was terrible. I thought but, it was not bad. It, it, okay, you answer this one question for me, now that you've seen it, okay? Riddle I, me I, this. I, I, need, I need to know what you are going to answer to this question, because it, to me, was one of the worst overlooked crappy parts of this whole film. Okay. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Decides that he's going to evade this new horrible dinosaur. Uh huh. The supersaurus. Do so, and to do so, he's going to douse himself in gasoline. Uh huh. Which he proceeds to do. Yep. And then he gets underneath his his jeep. Mm hmm. I don't think it was a jeep. I think it was a Mercedes. Whatever it was, they spared no expense. (laughs) The T Rex can't smell him because he's got gasoline all over him, and then he runs away. Yep. Chris Pratt literally does not change clothes or take a shower for the entire rest of the film. Uh-huh. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. You you missed the deleted scene with him and Bryce Dallas Howard in the shower? Making out? Uh, yeah. I saw the extended oh, yeah. edition. Sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that must be it. The, the director's cut. Ra- rated R. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Deadpool effect. <laughs> anyway. It's coming back. See, now we'll get the director's cut. But why in the world... 
How is this? How is nobody in the entire movie? The next time they get within 20 feet of this guy, not saying, holy crap, did you douse yourself in gasoline? <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, well, I mean, the thing with gasoline is it evaporates. It evaporates quickly. It's very volatile. The last time you got you got a drop. You know, if you a drop no. of gasoline on you look, when, accidentally look, when you were pumping gas. Look, a drop of gasoline. Do this. Do this little experiment for me. Next time, okay. like tomorrow morning, just go outside, take a gallon of gasoline, pour it over yourself, and see how long it takes. Yeah. For the smell to go away, it, it's less yeah. than five minutes. I guarantee it's, it. Just try it. Minutes. Try it. And report back. It's less than five minutes. I'm telling you. Yeah. He he did drive a motorcycle uh, away from the Raptors. Maybe that maybe that dried him off, or maybe that got rid of the smell. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the Raptors licked anyway, it up. Anyway, uh, that they cleaned that, him like cats. Literally, that, that I, I realize that's a, that I that I'm nitpicking here, but I want to tell you something. That nitpick literally ate away at me for the entire rest of the film. You want to see some nitpicking? I've been watching the uh, Red Letter Media rewatching the Red Letter Media reviews of the uh, Star Trek movies. I know. I, I need to do that too. <laughs> the I, the vintage yeah. Plinket reviews. Uh, it's some good stuff. Yeah, it's it's delicious. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I really did not like that movie I, because it's 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 so not Jurassic Park, and it's so not Jurassic Park for a, for a younger generation. It's just bad. Like it, it oh, it wasn't bad. No, it what Lost World yeah. and Jurassic Park three were bad. Are bad. Are terrible. This they is terrible. not as good as the first one, but it fair was enough. Decent. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I you're right. I overstated it. Even when after I saw it, I didn't say it was bad. I said that I didn't enjoy it because I was expecting to see Jurassic Park. Fair enough. Okay. All right. This, this speaking of nitpicking, uh, Tanner asks, <clears throat> "What are some games that you feel people nitpick to death?" Danny Tanner. No. Uh nitpick to death. This is a good question because you know there are a lot of these kinds of things out there right i mean the nitpicking can take a lot of forms mm-hmm. um nitpicking can be a game that all of us enjoy and love and we just happen to find certain flaws with it and we all laugh <sighs> yeah nitpicking could be things that are legitimate but we continuously point them out you know like a say a resident evil for example where you know the voice acting is so horribly bad that we we, we that's nitpick whole, yeah. crap out of that. Well, yeah, but that's that's nitpicking um, in a hilarious way. It's more like this is yeah. this is unintentionally right. hilarious, a laughably horrible. There's nitpicking huh? in you know uh, a way of, of something that was just really bad, and you know angry video game nerd I, style. We just kind of. I was just about to things. say that although I think angry video game reviewing has passed. As the uh, you know, the right. the well, like the well, it's not like ninety percent of videos on YouTube anymore. So PewDiePie, which is pretty much ninety percent of no, all videos. that's not that's not bad video game reviewing. That's uh, playing a game and screaming like a and little girl in five it. seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, oh man, I was reading an interesting Reddit article about the Fine Brothers. <laughs> not a Reddit article. I sounded like I'm fifty. Uh, <laughs> no. I saw this interesting article I read on the Reddit newspaper. Yeah, it was great. The Reddit newspaper told me all <laughs> This program on the Reddit. Anyway. Um, I saw some live commentary underneath it, and I laughed at it. <laughs> but talking about the whole Fine Brothers fiasco and how some people were like, you know, it's funny. I, I just, regardless of all this, I I, I uh, unsubscribed from these people like a long time ago. And uh, like, I, I remember watching this when I was 12 and now I'm 16. And now that I'm all grown up, I don't find it funny anymore. And people were saying that about lots of different big YouTubers. And I was like, hmm, 
we've talked about that before. Uh, it's interesting to bring up again, but the whole. Well, yeah. So you might yeah. be talking about the article from The Verge, I think. No, well, it was it was people commenting on something oh, okay. within Reddit. But so there, was there like, is there was an article this week on The Verge, which I no longer am a part of because of their Gamergate coverage. Um, the Verge had an article that was uh, specifically about um, can PewDiePie retain his audience after his after his audience grows up. That was Ooh, I got, I got to read this article because I have not heard anyone talk about this. No, because well, except for you and except me, except for you us, talk about this ad nauseum because we began this website god seven years ago now and for some reason we still have some people that are still following us which even is though, amazing I mean, we, even though we don't do jack crap anymore even though we don't put out a video an hour right um we don't even put out a, a video a month sometimes frequently uh and uh, frequently and 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 i guess you know but but this is my point right it's it's like you know how do people grow up and still be a part of a fan base if if all you're doing is you know is making kind of young, mindless content, right? And now YouTube is just clickbait all over. Like uh, we were, we, we should do a whole show on how crappy YouTube is now. I know we're broadcasting through YouTube right now, so you know, don't don't cut us off, Google. <laughs> but 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just so terrible because it's 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 you go to a recommended videos, and no matter what kind of stuff you like, it's all just clickbait garbage now. And you're like not interested, not interested, not interested, and it doesn't matter how many times you kill them. It's like you know, whack a mole, ten more pop up. It's a shame because some of the ones I used to expect, ha- uh, respect, sorry, not expect, have now because it's because it's an easy trap to fall into. Have yep. moved toward the clickbaity stuff and absolutely and just garbage content. Literally, the o- I think the only channel of people that I don't count as friends because that doesn't count. The only yep. channel that I watch on YouTube with any regularity that I find as funny as I used to find years ago is Red Letter Media. Yeah, which I love. I love those. For some guys. reason, They're anything those guys do, I just find hilarious. So yeah, me too. <laughs> Did you even the stuff that I don't find hilarious? I still find interesting. Sure, fair enough. Fair enough. I usually find it hilarious, and if not that, at least interesting. Like they had a hilarious one on um, Ten Facts You Didn't Know About Darth Vader's Suit. You that know. was. <laughs> We've talked about it on the show before. I'm not going to rehash it, but absolutely hilarious. Did we talk about it on the show? Oh, my we God. Talk about it on the show. I thought it was before or after the show. Anyway. It might have been. I don't know. But that well, video is amazing. We had a question like five minutes ago we were supposed to answer about the most nitpicked video games. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know um, I don't know that I necessarily oh, have a good answer for that. I, I was going to say like – I was going on. I was about to say something. I went on a complete tangent, but I was going to say when angry reviewing was like all the rage on YouTube. Pretty much anything that a big angry reviewer covered, most yes. notably the angry video game nerd. Uh, right. Some of the stuff he covered is legitimately bad, but a lot of the stuff he covered is just like ah, he's looking for he's looking for a game to review or to talk about, I should say. And right. this one has some not great aspects to it, so go, you know. Right. And some of the most like. Um, well, I mean, I've talked about how Back to the Future is really not that bad of a game on the NES. Yeah. I mean, it's not right. the best, but it's not the worst game ever. Um, no. Or even close to it. Or even games that are frequently bandied as the worst game ever, specifically E.T. for Atari 2600, right. is really not even close to being the worst game ever. No. I, I guarantee... It sold like the worst game ever, but that's about oh, it. Oh, yeah. There's lots and lots of you know garbage behind the scenes on that whole thing that have been in documentaries and all that other stuff. Uh, but... At, for for taking like six weeks to code and for the amount of effort that was going into it, making it something different 
uh, on a very limited system with very limited yeah. memory. Uh, that game is not good, but uh, I would say at least commendable for what it was trying to do. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, stuff like Especially that. Especially for something that was written in three weeks or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I agree. That is the nitpicky stuff. And I think that's probably why you and I started to gravitate away from that whole concept of the <laughs> angry video game review because they started oh, yeah. kind of running out of bad things to talk about and they started talking about good things in then, a bad way and that's kind of starting to make up bad things about things that yeah, may even be good and it's like oh, this yeah. is kind of garbage for a cheap laugh and yeah. that's what i don't like if you Not watch even some of the let's yeah. plays like you know a let's play is garbage in five minutes if if somebody starts a game and they make a really really bad joke in a really overly sarcastic tone hmm. and you just sit there and you go oh like it just it just like nails on a chalkboard kind of the way they make a joke and you just I mean that's that's a bad let's play, that's the same way that those nitpicky kind of videos became, uh, which is why you partially why you and I started the site, right? Actually, anyway, all right. So let's uh, let's let's go to a couple questions that were on topic for the topic du jour, and uh, I'll try to run through these fairly quickly. Lupicillo asks, "Will smart cars make government surveillance and uh, an abduction?" <laughs> easier what if someone hacks into the cars remotely this is a great question lupicillo here's what yeah. i have to tell you and techie just quoted uh an article in the chat uh five minutes ago on this so anyway go ahead anytime you introduce a new uh, fully computer controlled system you introduce a system that is potentially hackable in any number of different ways right mm -hmm. so so cars are no different it would be exactly the same thing. However, obviously, you know, this is this is something that's going to be very closely watched. But just like with the iPhone, if you give a backdoor to somebody, you have to assume that they're going to be able to use it, and that's a very scary thing for me. Like a midget at a urinal, you're going to have to stay on I was your toes. Stay on my toes. <laughs> Uh, following along with that, Alex asks a question. What about autonomous rental cars? How much control mm -hmm. could the company have over the car? And how would insurance work? Well, we talked about the insurance piece, Alex, but here's my thought, right? Mm. This is another industry that could potentially be wrecked by autonomous <coughs> vehicles. Or at least they have to change their model, right? Now, uh -huh. autonomous autonomous cars could, could make renting a car really easy. You walk up, you swipe your credit card, you jump in it, you push a button, and you go. Because now they know exactly where you are at all times. You're never going off the grid, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it would be more just for tracking reasons, not necessarily control. They probably exactly. just want to make sure you don't run off to Canada with your rental car or something like that. Yes. Um, I, we, we, we barely touched on it talking about Lyft and Uber, but um, really I think the more uh, revolutionary use here would be for ride-sharing services um, because you could have 24-hour-a-day vehicles, roughly 24-hour-a-day. I'm sure if they're electric, they would have to recharge or gas. They would have to refuel, whatever. But effectively 24 hour a day vehicles wandering the streets at all times looking for people that need a ride. Uh, and it, for a lot of people, even if you don't live in a big city like New York, even if you lived in a medium sized city or the suburbs, you could get away in this world without having a car at all. Yeah. And you absolutely. would just use these ride sharing services. Absolutely. I mean, if you, Instead of buying a car and having to go through all the hassle of buying gas and insurance right. and driving yourself, blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't you rather pay even 
I don't know, like $500 or so a month at the, you know, e- even on the low end, uh, to have a, a, a drive, a self driving ride available to you at all times. Yeah. You take kind of the, that's, the best. that's decent. Five, that 500, a thousand dollars a month. Sure. Oh, it's it, absolutely. You, you, you take all of the best parts of ride sharing, all the best parts of, you know, the, the, the kind of, uh, ride swap phenomenon uh, that was popular for a while and you just combine it all into one single thing and I, I, I think you're right I think a lot of people are going would be able to get by without a car at all because of something like this yeah um, and that another have, another industry yeah. that could potentially be disrupted oh yeah that could certainly uh, disrupt the uh, the rental industry but and taxis and everything else which taxis at this point wouldn't have a leg to stand on because they already don't have a leg to stand on against uber now they're not going to have a leg to stand on because they're actually going to replace all the drivers. That's Uber's deep, dark secret. Like, yeah, hey, come drive for Uber. It's great. You can make a lot of money until we replace you with a computer. I still don't know necessarily if Uber is worth, uh, what did I say last time? Like no, tw- yeah. 20 Lucasfilms. Yeah. But yes. uh, uh, you can totally see the value in that company going into the future. And uh They'll probably be doing pretty well for themselves if they can crack this. Techie has a great question related to the autonomous car uh, com- concept. When a car can avoid killing the occupants or avoid killing bystanders, but not both, what should it do? I'll amend the question by saying, what would it do? This is exactly what I was talking about when it comes to people making decisions and interpreting things in a hurry. Computers are really bad at it. People are pretty good at it. Um, you know, Self-preservation is something that is kind of provided in our DNA. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find people that wouldn't try to preserve themselves, even if it was the expense of people outside the car, right? But a computer is not necessarily going to be able to make that kind of a decision and will try probably to, you know, it will have to follow whatever kinds of, you know, programming was put into it about what, it was, what it's told to do because that's all a computer can really do. Um, so, you know, whatever was programmed to do, preserving occupants or preserving bystanders. Which, is what which do you think it should be programmed to do, though? You know, I, uh, again, I don't necessarily think that there's a great answer because at the end of the day, how, how do you program a computer to make that kind of a determination? Is a computer even going to be thinking like, for, for example, the autonomous cars that we're talking about right now aren't going to have a great concept of inside versus outside. It, it would take a huge, huge leap of these people are going to die versus these people are going to die because a computer doesn't really understand or interpret those those pieces. Yeah, of I mean, I am sure I, I am sure that obviously code exists for that in these self-driving driving cars are, are going through trials mm-hmm. right now with Google and GM and all those other places. But yeah. it doesn't look the computer's not thinking, oh, I need to save I need to preserve this person's life over this person's. It's thinking yeah. I need to avoid this thing that I don't know what it is in the road because it's an obstacle. I'm gonna go yeah. over here. Oh, there's a cliff over there or whatever. He's like, Okay, I'm going to activate airbags or something like that. You know, I, I don't right. I don't think I don't think that the computers that do self driving vehicles are necessarily distinguishing between humans and trees. Um no. I don't know if they should or not. I mean, this, but, this is a big kettle of fish that's being opened that I think is not going to be a very common problem. Yeah. But um, it's an interesting thought experiment. 
You know, um, I, I think it, it shows the underlying concept behind what I'm really talking about between the difference between computers and humans in that I would argue that that right now and in the foreseeable future, the computer actually, by definition, isn't thinking at all. Hmm. It's just following instructions. Um, you know, and in that case, right, it's going to be very difficult to distinguish between the value of a human life or comparing the value of, of other human lives. Um, that is a that is a, a weight that can only be put on it, it can't think about that kind of a concept at all. Hmm. Um, all right, enough with the autonomous vehicle stuff because I think we probably just about beat it to death. So let's get to some gaming questions. How, uh, let's, let's go to Captain Carnage. The new Fire Emblem comes out on Friday. Ooh, right. Have you picked out your version yet? <laughs> you know, I've never played a Fire Emblem game. I haven't played a Fire Emblem game either. I, I, I've heard the one. We for talked the, about this last time, didn't we? Didn't we talk we, about Fire we, Emblem? Well, we talked about it in the past. I, the one yeah. for the 3DS I've heard is excellent. Uh, I just haven't picked it up yet. Um, the one that exists already for the 3S, I should say. I, I don't mm. know. The, the, you loved Final Fantasy Tactics, and no, I still haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics, but I know, yeah. you know, I don't know. The whole idea of that type of game, I can't remember off the top of my head what what genre, that subgenre that really is, is called. Tactical. Tactical RPG. RPG. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, I like it. It doesn't set my world on fire, so I'm not yep. like, oh my god, I gotta play this game. I mean, there's other yeah. types of games I would rather be playing with the limited time I might have. Um, to a certain extent, it's like Warhammer 40k. It's just on a smaller scale with, you know, and most of the time it is robots and stuff like that too. So I don't know. Um, it's just war games, man. That's all it is. Just war games. Mm. Just, just got people having fun playing war games. Um, all, all right, about here a we nice go. game of chess. Yeah, how about a nice game of chess? <laughs> um, tic tac toe. All right, so Cyrus asks, "I've been obsessed." Psychopather, sorry, Psychopather has asked, "I've been obsessed with speed runs of late. Ah. What games are your favorite to see run and or absolutely demolished?" Mm. I'm not a huge speed run fan, uh, mostly I, because yeah, I can it's see kind the, of a novelty to me. I can see the appeal, but I can't. I can't. I can't sit there and watch speedruns like all day. Uh, I, you know, watching a good old speedrun of Super Mario Brothers is always kind of fun. Just because, are you like, talking about a tool assist or a non-tool? I I am not impressed by tool assisted speedruns. Me neither. And I guess that's what I was pointing at. The, the tool assist concept to me, I just don't see the is, point. Yeah, I just like oh, so what? I, I, you could take a computer and make it do that itself, right? I mean, I guess it's technically impressive that if you slow down the game to like uh, one tenth its speed, you can do yeah. everything ridiculous. But right. uh, just have a computer play the game at that point. It's like that's kind of what I'm watching. I, I would yeah. non tool assisted speed runs. I at least respect more uh, and and watching things like oh wow, how fast can a normal person actually beat like Super Mario Brothers? And the answer is something like I don't know. Five minutes, whatever, something ridiculous. Yeah, something ridiculous. And, and you think about like, ah, there's no way that could actually be true, right? And then you watch it, and you're like, yep, you did it. Yep, it's that's true. pretty cool. You did it, you know? Yeah, but again, the how classics. Are you really going to watch that over and over again, right? I mean, not not. You're like, okay, this got to be it in five minutes. Cool. <clears throat> it's usually for me, it's just the biggest, the 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 you know, some of the biggest games, the, the games that all of us know. You know, watching someone find the hack to. Uh, well, hack. It's it's uh, finding a glitch in the game, and they can beat like Ocarina of Time in in fifteen minutes or whatever it is. It's like right. oh, I'm just kind of curious how they did that, and they fall through the yeah. Deku tree, and crazy crap happens, and suddenly they're fighting right. Ganon. It's like oh, okay, cool. Yeah, the Oblivion glitch that that came whatever. out very recently, where the person could beat it, Oblivion in like ten minutes. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah, some some are better than others, but yeah, it is funny. Every the the Super Mario Brothers world record in particular is a fun one because it it's like people just sh- it's it's obviously like one of the most played games ever, uh, and it's fun to see how people shave an extra second or two off, you know, to get that that world record. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm with you. I see the novelty in it. I think it's cool, but uh, not yeah. number really, really and, thing for repeated viewing. Yeah, and the tool and 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 the tool assisted speed runs. It, yeah, I just don't. I'm I mean, not. I, I, techies in the chat saying, you know, they're, they're an, an art unto themselves, and sure, I can see that, but they don't do it for me. No, I'm not, not saying it's like, oh, you're garbage if you like those. I'm just saying, you know, not for me. Um, how about this one? JP Salamanca asks, "What video game? Wait, too easy." <laughs> what Square Enix game would you like to see slash tolerate adapted as an R-rated film coming Ooh. off of your Deadpool concept from before? Oh, man. That is Enix. not a game from Square Enix. If you're going to yawn, please kindly do it off screen. Nope. Um, hey, th- I'm sorry that autonomous vehicle discussion put me to sleep. Just put you to sleep. I mean, you can't help it. It's just a natural progression. Uh, <sighs> an R-rated film from Square Enix. We saw one that that was probably a film that was not fit for human consumption that Square Enix made. Oh, yeah, the uh, the one that almost you mean the that Square made. That's yeah. squ- that that uh, Square made. Right. Square that made. almost killed them. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, the first I'd, I mean, ooh, you know what? I think a Chrono Trigger movie would be interesting. But would it be good as an R-rated movie? Chrono Trigger is not an R-rated oh, movie. Oh, you could make it R-rated. No, you can. You got Robo. He's got some attachments. No, we're not doing. Well, is, he's got is, the fist the that is, flies is, off. Is, is, Rick, is Rick Astley doing the music? Yes. Um, I would. I actually. Th- I. I know this is going to sound like the cheap, easiest answer to to pull off here, but I actually think Final Fantasy VII could make an oh, R-rated. movie. You just want to see an R-rated Tifa. No, I just I yeah. I actually yeah. the, the subject matter actually could work as an R-rated movie, right? It's a the story you know, would need some cleaning up, but <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> quite possibly up, I mean, dirtying up. Well, um, yes, that too. Uh, but you'd have to do that for every Square Enix game. That's that's the point, right? <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is I could see the motif, you know, the art the artistic style of that game. I think would lend itself well to an R-rated movie. It's simple, I know, it's obvious, but I picked it, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, let's talk about this, we're Rockalope. To- this is totally over 60 minutes, by the way, this episode. Yeah, no, just, just letting you know. Rockalope asks, if you could rename one piece... This is just hilarious, I have to ask this. If you could rename one piece of technology, what would it be? Mine would be renaming <laughs> Google Glass to Googly Eyes. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, have you seen that, uh, that like picture beam thing of like, um, I don't even know what the context is. It's like from some British show and it's like just a list of ridiculous fake British words for American things. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, this sounds delicious. It's, it's like a picture. There it is. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay it's like just uh oh it's hugh laurie i think in in like a really aristocratic uh, like 18th century british getup it's like 
<laughs> like when Americans call chips French fries, when the Americans call crisps chips, when Americans call meat water gravy, <laughs> when Americans call nutty gum and fruit spluggings peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> uh, so okay, here are some technical ones, some tech ones that I can I'm gonna uh, uh, steal from my answer. Uh, when Americans call an upsy stairsy the escalator. <laughs> an upsy stairsy. <laughs> when they call pee pee friction pleasure sex. Oh my god. Uh, and when they call a ceiling bright a light bulb. There you go. That's pretty good. There you go. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, this one's really good too. Why don't we make this one the last one? I, I just like funny. Funny, uh, funny, funny ones to questions end on. to, yeah, to end on for the for the evening. Sorry, folks, for, if we didn't get we didn't get your question. We will answer them at another time. Please come back and ask them again. There's some really really good questions here. We just don't have a lot of time. Um, Marquis asks, "Hey guys, I have a burning question that I need you to answer. What happens when you get caught between the moon and New York City? You fall in love. That's, that's the, the that's answer. The best you can do." It's the best you can do is fall in love. Um, for all of you that are wow. under the age of about 29. 30? Yeah. 30, yeah. Uh, we are talking about a Christopher Cross Yacht Rock song that you absolutely have to check out. It's Yacht Rock? It's Yacht Rock. Okay. Fair enough. Speaking of which, the creator of Yacht Rock has been on Drunk History a few times, and it is not to be missed. Christopher uh, J.D. Risner is his oh. name. I remember you were... Super big fan of Yacht Rock for some reason. Anyway. Oh my god, it's such a big fan. Talk but, about old time, old old YouTube stuff. Yeah, and you have to be. That was actually not even YouTube. That was Channel Awesome. It's it got copied onto YouTube because no one watched Channel Awesome. Yacht uh, Rock was on Channel Awesome. Channel Awesome. I don't believe you. Yeah, seriously. All right, look it up. Anyway, all right. So, uh, folks, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Where we talked about the most boring topic ostensibly we've ever talked about. Hopefully, you didn't find it that way. <laughs> ostensibly yeah but you know maybe maybe it was maybe it was better for you maybe you you know maybe you came around on it i don't know whether you did whether you didn't we'd love to have you back next time uh we we do this show bi-weekly that is uh every other wednesday night at 9 p.m so uh when is the next time people can catch us live ruski uh that would be uh wednesday march 2nd 9 p.m eastern maybe we'll do our our off the top of our heads episode (laughs) <laughs> the shotgun show, just like we're right in and we're going. Yeah, and tomatoes warm up. Ah, like, hey, we'll, we'll have Cooper on as a full time guest host on that. Yes, what do you think, Cooper? Wow, all right, yeah. good point. Well, hey, listen, wow, hey, hey but, but watch your language. But I, I have to take issue with the second mirror. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we will uh, we will be here uh, then, so don't miss us then. But we also, if you have any kind of concept, thought process about what you'd like to see us do in the show game related you know you guys know what we do here now is this, this is our shtick it's just general geekery right maybe there's something that you'd like to see us talk about if so let us know there's no problem with that actually had a uh, 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 we had a suggestion right after the program last time I like it I think we're going to use it it's a good topic we'll talk about it soon um, maybe we'll talk about it next time who knows anyway if you have any suggestions for the program please do not hesitate to let us know uh, yep uh, oh, and yeah, I will be at MAGFest this Saturday only <laughs> up in the D.C. area. Uh, so that'll be the 20th of February. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. One day only. Uh, probably wandering around, but 
more likely than not hanging out at the retro air table for a while. So if you're there, come say hi. Yes. And if you uh, if, if this is past, uh, uh, if you're listening to this past the date of February 20th, uh, 2016, you missed out. We had all sorts of uh, fun. There was punch and pie served. So sorry. Just travel back in time. Um, I promise everybody that asks questions about Einstein and gravitational waves, we're totally going to answer that next time. So don't worry. It's that's, our, that's our next show. We want to out boring. Yeah. yeah. This gravitational show. waves <clears throat> could potentially be more boring than autonomous vehicles. Uh, but then again, there's a lot of things that probably could be more boring and we won't talk about them. We will talk about something more exciting. I promise. Anyway, until next time. I hope that you enjoyed our, our little conversation today. Uh, we hope to see you next time here on the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. For Rue, I am the Commodore, and there is no reset button. Or is there? No. No, no, there's not.